0: A lot of the people that are in the space that are seeing success, including ourselves, is like we tend to shy away from sharing a lot of that because you don't want to give away like all the secrets of what's working now. And so you need someone that's a little bit savvy in SEO that like has gotten their hands dirty. They've done this for a couple sites, maybe some sites that they own so that they can really jump in and, and really move the needle there you're listening to content logistics a podcast for b2b marketers looking to build a content
1: engine that drives revenue in each episode camille trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer welcome to another episode of content logistics i'm your host camille trent and this episode is brought to you by my good friends tristan and justin over at motion Their agency helps busy B2B tech marketers like myself, like you, launch podcasts like this one. And if you're wanting to launch a podcast, dreaming about launching a podcast, have a podcast that you don't love, uh, reach out to them because they are not only masters at the production side, but they'll help you with the strategy side as well. Today, our guest is Jeremy Moser. He is the CEO of usurp.io and wanted to bring him on to chat through the logistics of off-page SEO. Jeremy, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Camille. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here.
1: Cool. So for those of you who don't know, Jeremy, when he reached out to me, even though I'm not on Twitter at all, like recognized his face. So that's how big he is on Twitter. We recognized you from your copywriting tips, marketing tips. If nothing else, a good follow on Twitter. We'll just start out with that. But Jeremy also owns a agency, Usurp, which uh, he'll go into, but essentially he pitched me on this idea of offsite of SEO. So I think when you think of an SEO agency, a content agency, you think of SEO, like what are the things that you can control on your site that's going to drive traffic or that's going to drive demand. And then for the most part, you're going to hear like SEOs tell you, oh, like we can't control anything offsite. You know what I mean? Like that's in your court, like partner with a PR agency, like you figure that out, But obviously like it has some impact, the offsite stuff. And so I'm sure you got some requests about that before you kind of started offering it as part of your service and just excited to dive into your kind of playbook for offsite SEO. So first off, let's just sell offsite in general. Like, why is it valuable? Why should I care about it if I want to rank or if I want to want my content to be found?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. So like the tricky part when it comes to like keyword driven content in general is there's just like only so much you can do that's unique and really amazing enough to stand out while also satisfying a user query. So like, while still trying to match that user intent, there's only so much you can do there to, to make something interesting enough. And so this is even assuming, you know, that you've already got a really good brand, the brand awareness is there. You have that authority to rank close to the first page where you're gonna get any of that traction. And in competitive spaces, the window of opportunity there is just so narrow. Like if you think about on any given search engine results page, there's about 10 pieces of organic content ranking there, right? And like the vast majority of those clicks are going to be going to those first three listings. So almost no one's going to the second page. Like you're competing with potentially like thousands of other pages that are, are trying to rank for these individual keywords. And so the content, you know, when you look at it, it might not be all that different from page to page. And so especially in competitive spaces, it, it tends to sort of shift into a really brand driven, authority driven space where like, you know, you need these links and these off page signals that are pointing back to you. Not just from a search engine perspective where it's like, you know, a good signal, but also from a user perspective, right, where you're being mentioned by really high quality sources, trustworthy sources that are also, in fact, saying, hey, this site is trustworthy, too. We trust their information enough that we're, you know, we're linking back to it. We're talking about it our own content. We're referencing it here and there for our own users. So I think those signals are really important there. And, you know, the content landscape is just like everyone has such great content these days. Everything is packed with expert reviews with custom images, with the videos that are, you know, there for visual learners. So there's so many things that you can add to make content great, but there's almost a ceiling in that sense to where, you know, what else can you add at a certain point and what else can you optimize for beyond, you know, obviously the changes in an industry and how things progress over time and keeping your content up to date. But there becomes a certain point when, you know, you've done enough of the content optimization, you've added a ton of useful stuff and and now it's really just about how can we get our brand to be a little bit stronger? And we tend to see from our perspective links as like a proxy for brand authority in that sense and really using those as as signals to both search engines but also users that, you know, your content is, is really good, it's trustworthy and, and that's why we're sharing it, we're linking to it, et cetera.
1: Yeah, the thing that comes to mind for me is SEO is a mature enough channel, right? Uh, like words out, <laughs> people know about SEO that it's competitive, right? And that's kind of what you're saying. And so you have to look at the whole landscape and what we think are Google's ranking factors to kind of stack the deck in your favor because doing the bare minimum, which feels like a lot, like not even the bare minimum, but what's now considered the bare minimum isn't enough, right? To beat out everyone else, to beat out your competitors because everybody knows about onsite essentially. So I think that's a pretty good use case for, for the why. Why did you first like start offering the service? So I think you're kind of illustrating like how you came to the realization that like more was necessary. But was it like a specific client that came to you saying like, hey, we want to try and do offsite? Was it you just realizing that you needed to do more to help your customers to rank? Like what was that light bulb moment?
0: Yeah, it was, it was kind of a mix of those two, actually. So I was working for years at a content agency kind of from the early inception of the company. So being like the second employee there. Now the company I, I think they've got about 50 or 60 people at this point so working closely with the ceo there at the time we were just doing a bunch of content strategy production etc for a lot of b2b focused brands and then we just noticed that like the same thing i was kind of just referencing like spaces are so competitive that we were making content and then we were making great pieces of content that like i said included images video kind of the whole nine yards there but that was almost just like table stakes to to get you know, a spot at the table, right? Like that was helping us get there, but it wasn't helping us rank the best out of all of those pieces that were there. And we noticed a really big gap there in terms of, you know, it's good to create that amazing content, but you also need to then go out and distribute it and you need to get people to see it. You need to get them to share it. Because if you're just creating another great piece of content, there's really really no incentive for for someone to share that if they've already shared another similar piece. And if yours is just marginally better, which like I said, you know, it it probably is only marginally better at this point because there's only so much you can do. It's not a whole, you know, it's not a great value proposition for them to link back to that instead of something else. And so we really noticed a growing need just for ourselves to like drive more performance for clients, but also a direct client need even too, of uh, just clients coming to us and saying like, hey, we know link building and off page stuff is really key in this, too, especially in a competitive space. Like, do you guys offer anything for that? How do you go about doing that? Um, And at the time, we didn't do that, but we we realized that like we were doing this for ourselves at the moment. And like, why can't we just kind of flip the script and do it for our clients as well? So for the content we were creating for the agency, promoting and distributing our own things, we were already doing a lot of this. So we kind of had that playbook built in already. And we knew what worked, too, because we were doing it for ourselves and we had been testing that, seeing, you know, going this route is not great. Here's like where the big wins are. So we kind of already had some of that under our belt and, and we're able to just kind of throw that in as a future offering. And then from there, basically just branched out into starting a whole new business out of it. So separating it entirely from the content agency and really making making it its own really siloed and niche focus. Um, and I think that's really helped us succeed in this space.
1: Nice. Okay. So you you mentioned the big wins versus like the things not worth doing, right? And that's like the insights that you'll get when you do it yourself first, right? When you just like test, test, and then you're like, here's like the 20% like Pareto principle, you know, and here's like the 80% that we just need to cut. So with that, what are those things that are worth doing? What are those things that are not worth doing? And then that'll kind of help us like define what does off-page SEO work mean for you?
0: Yeah, it's a a really important question in this space because like if you Google anything around link building, like there's just so much advice out there, right? Like you'll see 150 tactics for building links this year. It's like you don't need 150 tactics to to really do anything. You just need like three or four that you can hone in on that are going to generate the most results for you. The same applies to link building just as it would with most things in marketing in general. And a lot of those, you know, some of my favorite things that we see really work, I can kind of run them down the line and then dive deeper into some of them as well. But the main things I would say would be number one is just relationships are king in everything that you're doing, like building relationships with blog owners, site owners, journalists, going straight to the source and kind of just building those relationships firsthand is just going to have the biggest impact over time. Anything else tends to be like really short term mindset where you're like, you know, maybe you're spraying and praying in the sense that you're scraping a list of like 5000 different sites, you're spamming them an email and asking them for a link. I'm sure anyone listening to this who owns a website has seen those emails come in, you probably just hit spam and move them to the trash. That kind of stuff can work in some spaces where it's less competitive. If you're trying to get links in like a B2B or even like a B2C, but still like a SaaS focused space, it's going to be really difficult to just send cold emails and watch like a ton of links pile in, or you'll get people asking for money, things like that. So you want to kind of avoid those. And then, you know, some other things on the list that we see working really well are like, guest posting still works. You just have to do it right and you have to do it much more differently than most people go about it. So, you know, most people are going to write a pre-written piece of content around a specific topic that fits themselves. So it's self-serving that need, right? Like they're trying to get a piece of content published that really relates back to them, that they can really heavily promote their product within. And then that's just going to be really tough to land on a site, right? Like there's only so many sites that are going to accept your pitch. If your pitch is not really customized to them and their needs, they're not going to accept that. So you really want to avoid that just overall just because you're going to see really low results for the time effort. You're not providing value and you kind of have a short-term mindset there. There's a few more that work too. Like cold outreach can still work if you're in a less competitive space. Help a reporter out is kind of a good one to do as well. So that's HARO essentially is the, the acronym there. So you're basically pitching directly to journalists who have specific queries. That's really competitive. So it does take up a lot of time. I'd say, you know, if you're in a more crowded niche, you should probably just avoid it and focus on building relationships overall because you're just going to be competing with so many different people there that the amount of time you're putting into the amount of links that you're getting back is just going to be so minimal. Probably my favorite approach here, though, is going to be unique data. So how can you create some sort of data set that people want to share, that people are interested in sharing, and that you can drive a lot of links back? So this is going to be things like unique studies, or, or can you survey your existing customer base, or maybe people in this niche and ask them, Really interesting questions that people haven't made before in a certain study. So then you can compile a lot of that data. And then that's just so useful when you're reaching out to different journalists or media owners and you're saying, hey, like I surveyed a thousand people in, you know, XYZ space. And here's like all the crazy, interesting stuff that we found. Like, feel free to take a look at this and let me know if you want to chat more about it. And that alone is just going to drive a a ton of really high quality of backlinks to your page a lot of PR. You're going to get a lot of stories made out of that. I mean, I think that's really where your biggest wins are going to come into play, especially as kind of these spaces get more competitive.
1: Cool. Yeah. So since that's one of your favorites and because like we've recently published a report and it's like something that I'm high on is just having proprietary data in general, right? Having like something specific to say and then especially like having a good content strategy around it. That's like, Oh, this actually backs up like our positioning too. So it accomplishes a lot of things and is like well worth the time, but I don't think we talk enough about like the promotion side of it. Uh, I think there's like a lot of reports that just die, right. they just kind of like die out or they're just like <laughs> for sure. a one time one, once a year, like type of push when it can probably just fill your whole content calendar. So talk to me a little bit about like what all you might do for, for a report,
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. I I think the biggest win we've seen for specifically those reports. So like you said, like a lot of them do tend to die out if you're not distributing that content. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Of like creating the content is like table stakes to get sort of near the top. But you do need a lot of that distribution effort, right? Like it's not a if you build it, they will come scenario in content anymore. It used to be maybe five, 10 years ago when content was pretty thin. It was pretty gameable. Now it's like you need really good content. It's just a base for people to even consider you, but you also need to go out and distribute it, right? It's a really key component of it all. So when we're looking at things like studies, one of the best things we've seen is like sourcing expert quotes. So if you're gonna do a study in a certain niche, like go interview 10, 20, 30, 40 different people in that space and get their thoughts for your article. That also just adds value to your piece, but also gives you that kind of built-in distribution network where like you're scratching their back, they're probably gonna scratch yours at the end of the day. So if you go back to them and you say, hey, like, we're going to link back to you in this piece, it's going to be great PR for your brand to be mentioned here as an expert and a thought leader and authority. It's just really good ammunition in that sense to go back to them and say, hey, like, if you could share this in your newsletter or like on social media, or maybe you can even link back to it on your website as, as featured in the report. I think it's super valuable and it does end up driving a lot of conversions in terms of getting a lot of those links pointing back to your page.
1: Nice. And then also uh, gated or ungated for, for reports? So what do you do with your with your clients?
0: Yeah, almost always it's going to be ungated, especially if you're going for like that kind of PR, off-page SEO style play. You definitely don't want to gate it because it's just going to limit the amount of people that are able to link back to it. You want people to be able to dive into there and, and see the results really quickly. Gating it is a good idea if you want to like turn that into kind of a more promotional thing, like a PDF. And you want to throw in some like additional layers of information in there. Maybe you you throw in like proprietary stuff where you throw in like extra graphs and, and like a spreadsheet of the data so that people can analyze it. That's a good way to gate it. But I definitely would leave it ungated just from like a traffic standpoint, right? Like you want people to see the data and be able to instantly just like dive into it. Say it should click for them in the sense that like, oh, I'm writing a piece about this and and I can go reference this report really quickly rather than kind of putting them through those different hoops
1: nice okay cool so now that we understand what is off-site seo to begin with we can dive into the logistics so timing like who needs this and like when is it a good fit
0: yeah i think to be honest like everyone should constantly be investing in off-page seo i know i'm, I'm biased obviously having worked with hundreds of different companies from the startup stage where they're really just getting started maybe they just raised funding and, and kind of need to break into competitive spaces Also working with companies that are in, you know, the most competitive spaces online. So things like project management, where we're talking about billion dollar companies spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on just marketing alone, really just investing in off-page SEO has has paid dividends on both ends. So I can kind of break that down a little bit too. So like, you know, if you're a new brand or a brand new company, you're going to need links in any reasonably competitive space. So if you're trying to break into SaaS or marketing or tech or anything like that, Creating content is, is going to be what gets you in the door, but you're not going to outrank. You know, you're not going to create a better piece than NerdWallet, for example, and it's just going to like find its way to number one. And they just have too much brand authority, too much brand strength. They've been in the game for too long. So, you know, creating just a piece of content and kind of hoping that it picks up is usually going to just slow down your time to results, especially as a newer company. So in that case, you know, I recommend from as early on as a point as you can to invest some resources in there in the off page. Because, like I said earlier, it's really like a proxy for your brand awareness. A lot of the stuff that you're doing off-page, like you know, if you get a quote in a really good article in your niche, and like maybe it's an Entrepreneur.com, maybe it's Forbes.com, maybe it's even a more niche publication, like that's just really positive brand awareness for you for people that are reading that. So I think a, you know a good way to start there if you're new is like use a tool like SparkToro or something like that, where you can identify you know what your ideal customer profile, what are they reading whether that's different blogs or magazines or media sites or anything like that. And just identifying, you know, where's your ideal customer hanging out? What are they reading? And how can we get links and press and features and brand mentions within those articles that they're reading? That's also going to serve just a brand standpoint, but also going to serve your off-page SEO goals. So I think there's really, there's no too early point to invest in off-page. It's especially critical if you're entering a competitive space. But we've also seen it be, you know, just as important if you're in a, really competitive space, even if you have a ton of brand authority. So for example, we recently worked with monday.com on both content and the link front. I think you might have touched on this a little bit with James Shear from Codeless. So for a little bit of background for the listeners, we work pretty closely together. I used to work at Codeless and my business partner owns Codeless. So we, we work really in in hand with a lot of our clients actually to where they're handling a lot of the content side and we're handling the distribution and the off page so you might have chatted about monday.com but something similar we noticed there too is like even though they're a really large brand already they've got a lot of awareness built up it was still really critical for us to build a lot of links to specific pages earn specific pr around a lot of these you know really competitive spaces where they're competing against competitors like asana ClickUp, notion trello like the list goes on and on right of like project management tools and all those sites are creating awesome content And so there's a real big differentiator there to where like how much brand awareness can you build to where, you know, people are clicking on monday.com and not XYZ competitor that's listed either above or below them. So we see, you know, links as being really anything off page as being a really key factor, especially in those competitive spaces. And if you're a new brand to, to just to get you up to speed really quickly.
1: Nice. We didn't talk about this at the beginning, but I kind of mentioned like PR, right? Like, how do you think that that fits into all of this? Do you see it as interchangeable? Like is PR offsite? Is offsite PR?
0: Yeah, they definitely have correlations. I would say they're not like one and one like they're not interchangeable in that sense. It really does depend on, on kind of the goals that you're trying to reach there. And I think if we're taking an SEO focus to things like, you know, we're our main goal here is to drive as much relevant, high-quality organic traffic from uh, given search keywords is essentially what your goal is going to be around SEO, and that should obviously fuel customer acquisition, business growth, etc. So it should be tied directly to generating leads, revenue, etc. You know, this could change if you're running like an affiliate-based site or like one that's purely driven for ad revenue. Then obviously it's a little different where you're like you're just trying to pump up the traffic so you can get as many ad views and stuff like that. But in a more business-focused space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really key. And the differentiator there tends to be like, if you're focused on an SEO goal, sort of PR links in that style, where maybe you're getting coverage from like a magazine, like entrepreneur or Forbes or TechCrunch or or something like that is really helpful for brand awareness overall, which does help like how many people are searching just for your brand name. So when you're looking at like branded searches for, you know, if we're talking about like, monday.com we want those branded searches to increase over time because it's just really good signals overall so it does play a lot into the off page in that sense where you know if you're getting a lot of this coverage you're going to be generating more branded searches over time it's kind of just inevitable like more people are going to discover you they might go to google and say okay let me search monday.com and and see what comes up and and learn more about this so i think that's a really good overlapping goal but it's definitely not a one-to-one and we typically see that like You know, a lot of the more link focused stuff is a little more SEO focused versus like traditional PR tends to be like more story based or, you know, more coverage about the brand or the story or anything like that. Whereas links and stuff like that tend to be definitely more SEO focused. We're looking for really niche relevant publications, but also looking for, you know, maybe the story, there's not a story, but we're really looking for like, hey, maybe there's this article about like managing remote teams or something like that. Like, how can we get a link to project management in there to where like people are going to click on that, but it's also really relevant to the article, drive some of that good link equity from XYZ site that's really authoritative, back to monday.com. So the goals there are, are pretty similar, but a little nuanced in that sense.
1: Yeah, and tell me if I'm wrong in summarizing it this way, but to me, yeah, it sounds like you focus on brand or credibility within the scope of SEO or Google, right? So like to the extent like where those things help you rank, right, or, or help uh, your SEO placements, you focus on brand, right. But PR is just like broad. It's like brand, brand in general, right? It could be, it could include uh, link yeah. building as a tactic, but that's a subset of brand or of PR.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Okay, perfect. I was going to go deeper into like the framework. So
0: yeah, yeah, we can dive into the frameworks. Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Okay. So you mentioned a little bit about like the place of link building or of like offsite For different stages of companies right i kind of want to know like the the frameworks that you might present to to a client or just the way that you think about kind of stacking that growth of like what's the baseline like seo that i need in place or content that i need in place for this to start making sense for me and then how do you think about just like ranking and stacking like these
0: priorities yep absolutely yeah we we always recommend like you really do need a baseline of just great content in general um, if you're trying to rank like mediocre content and you're just trying to force links to it and, and hope that it increases in rankings, it's probably not going to happen or it's probably just going to take 10x the amount of links that you normally would need. So we really see content as like that's just, you know, you need that to get in the game. Like you need a really good piece of content to where like people are landing on this. They're actually consuming it. It's a good piece. It's got a lot of unique data. It's got custom images that maybe people can view. Maybe it has a video too that's good for visual learners, keeps people on the page longer. Like you need all this when we're talking about link building because you don't want to drive anyone to these pages for them to just bounce immediately right and and that's just going to send both negative signals to google but also you're obviously not going to get any conversions from that and that's kind of what we're doing here is is trying to grow the bottom line right like we're trying to bring in relevant traffic not just any traffic especially when we're talking about more business focused goals so in terms of like a priority and approach we're starting from scratch we typically do both content and then we'll do more brand focused, more story focused link angles, PR angles where we're trying to get coverage in, it could be tier one or two media, but it could also be more niche publications or even like on other company sites, if they have blogs or they talk about, you know, related topics, we're trying to get more brand focused plays there. Maybe that's like being an expert and getting quoted in an article, like I was touching on earlier. Maybe that's a guest post where you're explaining, you know, how we've grown our company it's going to be more like generalized branded style off-page things at least at the start and then once you get a lot of that content going that's really good quality and you get that to start picking up some keywords and rankings that's when you want to start shifting your focus to building links directly to those pages because we see that having just the biggest impact overall it's obviously great to have you know a ton of links to your your root domain overall and have a really good brand authority in that sense but we even see like even in competitive spaces it's just not enough right like you need links to specific pages, especially, you know, if you're going up against big competitors, you, you want those pointing back to even those unique pages as well beyond just your homepage. And so that's where you start to really make the shift is once you've published that great content, now it's time to go distribute those individual pieces and take anything you can from those pieces and use that as leverage to get your foot in the door with journalists, bloggers, site owners, et cetera. So that's like what I was saying. Like if you have videos on that page, again, that's just really good leverage for you. If you have custom images or data or graphs, or maybe even expert quotes yourself or anything like that, you can use to pitch journalists or a media owner is going to be kind of the next step there. And, and that's what we tend to see is is what moves the needle of in terms of content being you know on the second page to it being on the first page and then ranking that even higher, you know, hopefully in the top three positions is, is it going to be just driving quality links and not focusing on quantity as much, but really just focusing on quality at, at every step of the way is just what we've seen to be, you know, what lasts the test of time and withstand some of those algorithm updates, things like that.
1: Nice. Uh, Thanks for breaking that down. That was actually, that was really helpful. Okay. So tools and like team, essentially like, what do you need to make this happen? So first let's go through kind of like team, like who, not necessarily, I imagine like at a small company, maybe one person could do this, not like the best, but one person maybe could do this. So it's more like skills is how I think about this. Like what skills do you need? And then ideally, like, what are those roles?
0: yeah yeah it's it's definitely a key factor in the equation right like most people underestimate you know just how many people it takes to make stuff like this happen so seo is tend to tend to be thought of as like it's one role like oh you're the seo of this site there's actually so many different things that you're doing in seo it's kind of like saying you know you're the marketing person at xyz company it's like well does that include like social media does that include all these other things that are essentially their own job descriptions right within marketing so seo is really similar in that sense where like it takes so many people to make this happen. And it's kind of like a leading pain point of why we started Usurp in the first place is like, link building can be a full-time job if you're in a really competitive area. Like it requires a ton of time and researching tools, strategy to be successful in this realm. Like you really need uh, a lot of these different skill sets. And, and a lot of it does tie back to like just general marketing, communications, relationships. Like how can you build these at scale to where when the time is right, you can leverage those To see some benefits for yourself but you can also provide value to to anyone else that's a part of the equation so i think in terms of like the team you know you typically are going to need someone that can do some research so if they're going in a tool like SparkToro or hrefs or semrush and they're going to do just like a big data report of like here's where our competitors are being linked from these 100 sites look really good in terms of they talk about similar stuff so maybe they'll mention us or maybe we can get a story with them because we have some cool data a lot of the research part is a big play in this. So that's just like time consuming stuff where like you kind of have to get into the nitty gritty of different tools and see like what's a good opportunity, what's not. So someone to research is obviously going to be key. And then someone to do more of a, a strategy map. So like seeing basically like how does this fit and tie into business goals is always something that we focus on at the top level from the top down, right? Like what pages you're picking to build links to are, are super important you always want to obviously tie these to what's going to be the highest converting page, what's going to have the most commercial intent in the sense that are buyers searching this, or is this like really top level informational? Like what's our expected conversion rate here? All those are going to be, you know, super important factors. So having someone that's data minded that can analyze that and also relate that to the bottom line of a business goal is really going to be key. So it does require some, you know, working hand in hand with, you know, the larger marketing team, potentially even, you know, upwards of, c-suite leaders whether that's someone in, in finance or operations so someone that can kind of tie those back and then someone obviously who has like seo experience prior is obviously going to be your best bet to like the fastest results just because a lot of this stuff is trial and error of like here's what's working for us and what's not i mean a lot of the tips and tactics out there that you tend to see on like articles or listicles that say here's 10 link building tactics those are just like things that people did five years ago that worked. And now they're talking about them because they probably don't work as well anymore. A lot of the people that are in the space that are seeing success, including ourselves, is like we tend to shy away from sharing a lot of that because you don't want to give away like all the secrets of what's working now. And so you need someone that's a little bit savvy in SEO that like has gotten their hands dirty. They've done this for a couple sites, maybe some sites that they own so that they can really jump in and, and really move the needle there.
1: Yeah. And to your point, someone who's done it recently, right? Because It changes so fast what works and what doesn't work. If you were expert SEO in 2010, probably (laughs) it won't make a huge impact now using those same strategies. Cool. So the tech, any tools and like tech that you'd recommend that's part of your stack, part of your process?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's some really good ones out there for like a main SEO tool. So this will give you like an overview of just like almost everything around SEO would be Ahrefs or SEMrush. Both of them are really good. They're both comparable. If you're doing more of an off-page focus, like more of the backlink side of things, I think Ahrefs is better for that. If you're doing more on the content side of things, I think SEMrush has a few more tools that I'd prefer. So there's not one tool that I would like choose over the other. It kind of depends on what goals you have at the time, and both of them are really good. Those are going to be, like I said, a little more broad overviews. So you can see everything from your own backlink profile, where those are coming from, competitors, you can do competitive research comparisons from your own domain to other domains. So there's a ton of tools you can dive in there to just like do more of the analysis side of things. I think obviously always using Google Analytics and Google Search Console is a good idea just to track stuff with more concrete and accurate data. Usually we'll give you a better picture of like traffic amounts, keywords, your top pages. The data in there tends to be a little more accurate since hrefs and SEMrush is like a third-party estimate, right? So it's not always spot on. So double checking your, your stuff in search console, Google analytics, always a good idea. And then in terms of like executing some of the campaigns, we use a a wide variety of tools. If we're trying to find someone's email to contact them, or maybe we're just going on LinkedIn and messaging them and and building a relationship that way. If we're doing something that's more cold outreach based, we'll probably use a tool like hunter.io or something like that to just pull emails and see who we can contact. For outreach, we tend to use something like BuzzStream or Respona. Both of those are really good. They help you kind of do things at scale. So if you're sending a broader pitch or you're trying to connect with a larger amount of people, you can send more detailed campaigns with that are kind of scheduled out. So those are some of like the main tools we use. And then also SparkToro is a good one when you're doing, especially if you're doing like more PR driven pieces or you're trying to promote some of those studies we referenced earlier. That can be a really good tool to see where your ideal customer profile hangs out what they read, what's interesting to them. That'll help you kind of like backtrack your way into some of those studies too, so you can actually create data that people want to share by seeing, you know, okay, our customer profile, they read these 25 different websites on a given monthly, quarterly basis. So then you can go there and see, you know, what journalists from those sites are talking about any sort of related topic and kind of work your way back from there to where, okay, now I have a list of like really, really good quality journalists that are writing about this already. I know that if I get in front of these journalists and I get published here, like this is going to lead to direct people checking out my brand. The PR here is going to be really worthwhile rather than kind of like just blasting it on on a mass platform. I think those would be the main tools that we we see being the biggest benefit for us.
1: Nice. Okay, cool. I'm going to try and categorize a couple of these to kind of recap for folks. So as far as just like an overall SEO tool, either you got your Ahrefs or your
0: SEMrush I think it's SEMrush now. It used to be like the capital S-E-M and then Rush. I'm sure everyone pronounced it S-E-M Rush, but it's kind of like one of those brands that now all of a sudden they, they call it SEMrush. So who knows what it actually is, but I used to call it S-E-M Rush too.
1: Yeah, well, actually same with Ahrefs. I don't know what it is with like uh, SEO tools, like wanting it to be <laughs> extra confusing how to say their names. But For sure. at any rate, both are pretty neck and neck. I actually saw your like poll the other day about... Uh, yeah, about yeah. Uh, people voting on this. And it was a pretty even split. I think it was like 51, 49 or something like that. And to your point, yeah, a few a few more content creation tools like on SEMrush and then more of like, and I think Ahrefs says this, like that their specialty is kind of like backlinks and being checking your backlinks, all that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at this, I'm looking at maybe SEMrush, if I need more help on the actual content creation part of things to just start out with, right? But then like once you get into to offsite and to link building, that sort of thing, either thinking about like, maybe it's time to consider like an hrefs or just adding in some of these other layers um, and starting with maybe a research tool like SparkToro, right? Of like, where are we going to like target kind of like first, what's our strategy for like for offsite kind of a thing to kind of understand like that PR landscape, if you want to put it that way, but really customer landscape. So you kind of maybe start with that. And then there are some tools like Hunter.io, like other tools, Mm -hmm. like a Hara yeah. that would help you with that actual like outreach and getting those placements. So oh. if I'm looking at in terms of like creation, strategy, like distribution, that's kind of like how we can look at the text deck.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say always prioritize like your first one should probably just be Ahrefs or SEMrush and just get familiar with those, especially if you're doing kind of this for the first time, or you're looking to, to get someone on your team to start doing this, definitely get them in one of those tools, just run them through. They each have their own like free courses that you can dive into that are actually really helpful. They go pretty in depth on not just, like, you know, like what the tool can do for you, but, you know, how to put that into action, things you can actually do, campaigns you can actually start to run. So each of them have really great courses that you can dive into there that'll walk you through them. So those are like the, the best tools you're going to get in terms of like a baseline perspective. And then anything else is just icing on the cake to really help you scale what you're doing. So, you know, once you start to get going, you'll realize that you need to do more and more and more. And so that's when you want to add in those extra tools like Hunter to just speed up the process things like Buzzstream or Responda to, again, just send more outreach over time to where you're not doing things as manual. So there's a lot of those tools that you can kind of add in over time.
1: Nice. Okay, cool. I want to be respectful of your time. I know we just have a couple minutes here left. But what I like to do at the end is just kind of go over the learning. So like the do's and don'ts, like Maybe I'm feeling good about my content. I have a basic tech stack in place, like ready to, ready to go implement this. What are like some of those key learnings that you're like, definitely don't start here and definitely really consider like going, going all in here if you're a newbie looking to implement the strategy.
0: Nice, yeah, I'd say definitely don't start by doing a lot of cold emails. So I'm sure everyone that if you've worked at a company or you own your own site, you get a lot of these emails on a, on a weekly, daily basis asking you to add a link to a certain post. It's just like nonstop spam, right? And like that's going to be, it, it can work if you're sending enough emails, but the conversion rate is probably like half a percent or something on that. So you're going to have to just send um, a massive amount of emails. You're probably going to piss off a lot of people in the process. Um, so the results are just not great, especially in a competitive space. If you're in a less competitive space where like, you know, maybe people aren't used to getting this many emails around this sort of subject, That can work a little better so obviously be mindful of what niche you're in if you're in seo marketing etc probably avoid that for now and and really you know what we found to be key for at least your initial focus is just relationships how can you build like just identify a list of whatever 50 100 different companies that you would love to get a link from or mention from or a story from and just contact those you know start contacting those journalists right you know maybe follow them on twitter or late day build a real relationship with them and prioritize the long game here, right? Like links are great in the short term, but like you really need to get them for months and months and months in a row to start seeing a lot of these really good results come in that compound over time. So don't get caught up in the short term where you're like, I need a thousand links tomorrow. So I'm going to go send 50,000 emails and then piss everyone off and everyone's going to talk badly about our brand. You don't want to do that, obviously, because you are working in this PR type of angle. So really focus on those relationships overall and then in terms of like if you are doing the cold outreach side of things the guest post side of things i think one of the most beneficial things you can do here is ignore all those kind of guest post lists so if you google like guest posts for marketing there's going to be a list of like here's 50 sites in marketing that accept guest posts it's like those people just get hammered every single day with like 100 different pitches and almost none of them are good so like they're super tired of those you're probably not going to get accepted into those You might as well just avoid those. And what you really want to do is go straight to the source. So again, identify maybe 50, 100 different sites that look really good, really cool in your space, and then craft a really customized pitch for them and just reach out to them and see if they're interested in working together on something. And if if you want to get really nitty gritty there, there's a tool you can use in both Ahrefs and Setrush called a gap analysis, where essentially you take a specific site. So let's say this is the site you want to, to create a piece of content for you take that site and then you benchmark it against maybe two or three of their competitors and you see what specific topics their competitors are ranking for that they're not and then you pitch those as your story angles right so you say i did this research you're lacking in xyz area and your competitor is currently currently outranking you for these i think i can create a really good piece of content that helps you you know beat them in this area so right off the bat you're adding value you know that piece if they had to hire a freelance writer or something or an agency you know that might cost them upwards of 500 $1,000 to create a really good piece that's going to rank there. So if you can do that, you can save them the time and the money there. Your chances of getting an accepted pitch are just that much higher. And it also just gets your foot in the door too for future working together with that company. Future stories. When you give value up front, humans just in general, we want to reciprocate everything. Right. So like if you're providing someone really good value up front, chances are you're going to get it back from someone. So always looking to see, you know, where can I lead with something that's genuinely valuable? And not just like, hey, I need you to do X, Y, Z for me. Just flip that script and say, like, I can do this and this and this for you. And that'll be valuable for you. And then I'll probably get something in return as well for myself that's valuable.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Well, how can people find you? If they have more questions about this or if they want to know about your agency, where can they find you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our agency is just usurp.io. So user dot Super nerdy technical name for search engine results page. So it's kind of like a play on words that very few people get because it is way too nerdy. Um, to like, you know, the word usurp um, and then S-E-R-P in there, um, but it's super nerdy. Uh, I, can, I can be found on Twitter mostly if you want to chat about anything like this. I usually just post anything around SEO, marketing, copywriting, that kind of thing. So my Twitter is J-M-O-S-E-R-R, my first initial and last name with two R's at the end. So yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. We will talk soon. Yeah, talk soon. Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.